Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. on Wednesday, September 11th, 12 years after the horrific attacks on our country. Despite the fact that it's mid-September, the baseball playoff races are heating up, and yesterday we interviewed ex-Islander Brendan Witt, which was a great time. We're going to keep to the theme of having an NFL player on each week of the season. We did it all last season, and I'm joined today by a special, special player, a member of the New Orleans Saints Hall of Fame, fifth-round pick in the 1996 NFL Draft, four-time Pro Bowler. A man with over 600 career receptions, 58 touchdowns, and my favorite fact is that he has a McFarlane figure action figure named after him. They call him Hollywood. We're going to find out why. I'd like to welcome to the show the great number 87, Joe Horn. What's going on, Joe? Welcome to the show, my friend. Thanks for having me. Okay, so I get a notification on Twitter that Joe Horn's following me, and we all get crazy notifications, and I look, and it's NFL receiver Joe Horn. I immediately ask for an interview. And boom, within a few hours, you're calling me, man. I can't thank you enough for this, man. I appreciate it. My man, no no problem. No problem at all. All right, Joe. I get um, Your journey to the NFL, it's nothing short of extraordinary. And I've always heard the story, but before I interviewed you, I, I looked way into it. Do you mind just telling everyone listening about the crazy, amazing road from high school to JUCO to the CFL to the NFL? It's, it's an amazing story. Do you mind telling it? No, well, to basically, to make a long story short, um, um, I took I leaped on different paths throughout my career. I um, started my, my my high school career, and I went on to junior college. However, I had 17 schools recruiting me, but I wasn't academically inclined like I should have been, or like most most kids should be when they're in high school, because it usually bites you in the butt once you, once you get into college and later on in life if you don't apply yourself the right way. So I was one of those kids. Uh, I went on to junior college and. Um, still lingering over into the not being um, inclined academically-wise in high school, not knowing how to study, not knowing um, 
um, how to discipline myself to get up in the morning and be prepared for school. I carried that over to junior college and uh, met a girlfriend and decided to do things the wrong way. However, when I went back home uh, and got a rude awakening that education mattered and uh, not just athletics and, 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 and sports, at the time I was forced to, to try to use my athletic side to get an advanced uh, athletic um, um, movement in my career with a professional sports. So I did that. I landed a job with the Memphis Mad Dogs. Uh, went on back to Mississippi, went up to Memphis, Tennessee, had a great, great, great rookie season. And uh, mm-hmm. that's where the NFL career jumped off, and that's where things started happening for me. And every opportunity that I had to grab and to make something better happen with my life, it, it transpired from there. And then I learned about life. Now, Joe, were you heavily recruited out of high school? Absolutely. What, what, time, uh, what kind of big-time yeah. schools were after you? Well, South Carolina, Clemson, of course, um, of course. Uh, Notre Dame. Uh, Alabama, all this, all the big D1 schools and all the ACC schools, obviously, around mm-hmm. my area in Fayetteville, North Carolina. And to note, I only played my junior year. I didn't even play high school ball much my senior year in high school. I was just uh, started out my ninth grade year being a, um all-around athlete, and everyone knew about or everybody knew about me. And Bob Paroli, who's, who was my coach, he knew all the young, I mean, the college scouts at the time. So, I, I was blessed. I had a blessed career, man, so I, I don't take anything back. Now, on the Internet, you know, you can't believe everything. The thing said that you worked at a Popeye's, at a Bojangles. You didn't play football for two years. And then I've seen a story everywhere. I remember hearing about it. Is it true, and I don't know what is an exaggeration, that you were down to your last $10, $20, you go into a Blockbuster video store, you buy a Jerry Rice workout tape for like 4 bucks, you make a highlight video and send it out. Is that, is that all true? Absolutely. I actually was down to my last six dollars, and the video tape was like three ninety nine. Okay. So I was working out at I was working out at the time, and that goes to show you if you really want something in life, if you really, really, really wanted to send a keynote out to the kid, if you really, really, really wanted a life, you can you can make it happen if you want it that bad. Now people talk about how bad they want things. They, they they go and they study and they look at TV shows and they really really know. Even people with inventions, they have they have so many ideas but they really don't carry it out, and they don't really t- put everything they have into trying to get it done. And that's what I did. I-, I knew I wasn't in college. I knew that I was working out, but I wanted to be in tip-top shape, and I wanted to know how to run routes the right way. So I figured that $7 at the time, but I knew that I didn't have much money. I could have <laughs> saved it and, and kept it, but I took $3.99, $4 of that, and I spent it on that Jerry Rice tape. And uh, I walked home with that Jerry Rice tape, and I stopped by the store and got me a Gatorade with the other money I, uh, what I had left. <laughs> And, and, and I and I watched it, and I and I applied myself to those drills. So when I did have an opportunity to work out for an NFL team, um, um, or a Canadian League team, I, I I definitely was on point and I was ready. Now, what drove you? What what was your motivation to keep striving for the NFL? My motivation was my family. My motivation was my family and my upbringing, where I came from. Um, I, I definitely was poor growing up. But um, that that, motiv- that motivated me. But the most motivation was when people said that I wasn't going to make it. See, if you don't leave high school and go to Alabama or the University of um, Tennessee or, or, or Notre Dame and you're a great athlete in high school, most people, when you don't uh, be academically inclined and get your education and you fall off the radar, most people, when they see you two or three years later, they think you're either, you know, where I'm from, selling drugs or working at a McDonald's or or being a delivery boy somewhere, or probably in jail. So mm-hmm. that didn't happen with me. I went to junior college, and I didn't tell a lot of people. So while I was trying to 
stay motivated with the player haters, we call them. Haters, we call them. I, I kept building. I kept building my career, man. And uh, when they saw me again, I was able to tell them what my um, what my road, what my long journey behind closed doors took me to. Now, Joe, have you ever told Jerry Rice the story? Um, I haven't told Jerry, Jerry the story. Okay. But uh, I plan on I plan on telling him one day. He's from Mississippi, and we're we're doing a lot of stuff together in the next couple of months. So I'll be able to tell him the story if he hadn't heard it already. But I did get a chance to meet Jerry Rice when we played against the Raiders, and they came to the dome. That's when my reality of that that videotape I bought of him. I ran a route and I went to the sideline, and Jerry hit me on the back. And Jerry Rice <laughs> hit me on the back, and when he hit me on the back, I ran back to the huddle in slow motion, man. Like man, I was thinking about the videotape. I was thinking about me working out after his drills, and that really hit me, man, until I got to the huddle. That's like a welcome to the NFL moment. Now, when you made those videos, where did you send them to, and who did you send them to? Well, my, well, I made a high school video. My brother okay. t- videotaped me on the high school running routes and lifting weights. And uh, when I made my video, I sent it to the Memphis Mad Dogs in Memphis, Tennessee, and they signed me actually off the videotape. Oh, Wow. All right, so now you're in Memphis, you get drafted, and you spend four years in KC, nothing really special. Then you sign with, with the Saints, and you blow up in 2000, like almost 1,400 yards, eight touchdowns, the playoffs. What clicked in New Orleans that didn't click in Kansas City? Well, it was special. Kansas City was special because that's where Mike McCarthy was, the head coach okay. of the Green Bay Packers that went to the New Orleans That's oh. where I played and had a good game against um, um, – the general manager for the Seahawks at the time, and I had a good game at my rookie year. So Kansas City made the foundation of my, my professional career because if, if Mike McCarthy wouldn't have told Jim Haslett or Randy Mueller uh, about a young kid from Kansas City that he wanted to give, get a chance to sign, then I don't think I would have signed with the, with the Saints. I would have signed with the Raiders where Rich Gannon was. Okay, now – Here's a question, a little off topic. In 2000, 2001, you know, the top receivers in the league, you, Torrey Holt, Isaac Bruce, Marvin Harrison, I guess you could say David Boston, obviously Randy Moss, mostly humble guys. You get the one flamboyant receiver was T.O. Why was the norm back then to be business-first receivers, and now all receivers are divas, the attitude has changed? What changed with that? You guys were all business guys, and now it's, it's like the flamboyant position. Is anything special changed? Why is that? Well, it took well, it took a couple of guys like me and T.O. and uh, um, Isaac and Tory was kind of quiet guys. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? I, I was type of like the flamboyant type. I brought my attitude on the football field. I okay. wanted to change the genre a little bit. So I'm kind of proud that that the receivers now they're trying to do something. Either they're dancing or they're doing stunts because they're making the game fun. And a lot of those guys were bored. And I I was just an exciting type of receiver, and I wanted to bring I wanted to go against the norm. I wanted to change the game. So when the touchdown celebrations and all of that, Chad Johnson came in, it was right down my alley, and they just picked that up nowadays. They, 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 they're keeping that going. Now, describe the New Orleans fans, because I've been down there a ton of times. We'll get to that in a minute. They're so passionate about it. and is, Does that drive you a lot during the games? Because they're amazing, the Saints fans. That, that, that drove me. After my family, that drove me the most. I, I knew how passionate New Orleans Saints fans were. See, New Orleans is different. If you haven't been down to New Orleans, if you just went on a vacation for three or four days and went to Bourbon Street and ate some of the fried, the oysters and had fun, you still really don't know New Orleans. You don't know Louisiana. You just know the party side. But if you go through some uh, adversity, 
and you you meet the people in the streets and you see them and you, when I go to Win Dixie or the Walmart and I see the people come up to me and talk to me and after Katrina, you gotta understand fans in Louisiana will kill over the Saints. I'm literally uh-huh. I'm talking about go to go, I'm talking about go to prison. <laughs> they, they they will they will go to jail over the New Orleans Saints. And I don't think a lot of fans really understand that around the world. No no so, I'm gonna get to, I'm gonna get to that in a minute, yeah. Excuse me. No. No, I was gonna say I was gonna get to the, the New Orleans, the whole culture down there. It's it's a whole different ball game. If you just go, I've been down there three times. The first time was the whole Bourbon Street experience, and then after that, I took tours everywhere. It, it, it's it's a different world. It's a different world depending on where you go. Now, if you want to see the great part of New Orleans, the dancing and the and the, and the history, you go to Bourbon Street, you take the horse parent ride, you go to the casinos, you go get have your drink. But if you really really want to go, you go outside of the, you take a ride outside of New Orleans, the city, mm-hmm. the side of the city of New Orleans, and right outside of Bourbon Street, a mile and a half away from the really the exciting where the TV cameras only go, you see the projects. You see yeah. the neighborhoods where it's bad. You see where the Katrina, the water went through. And you really, really, really get to see New Orleans. And so that's the difference between, hey, now Kansas City, great city. Your money is no good if you're a player in Kansas City. I love Kansas City. However, I didn't get get to stay there to really get the point of how the fans were and how they treated you because I didn't really play that much. I wasn't the Derek Thomas. I wasn't Lake Dawson. I wasn't the guys, Kimball Landers, the guys that really were playing at the time. So I only figured and saw that out when I got to Now, Joe, you have, in my opinion, you have two big-time standout moments. I'm a Giants fan, so you know where this is going. 2003, ESPN, Sunday Night Football. You blow up. You have 133 yards. You have four yeah, four touchdowns, but everyone remembers the famous one, you grabbing the cell phone after the second touchdown. Tell me what made you think about it and how the whole thing came through. I know you told the story a million times, but it, it's fascinating. Yeah, Sunday Night Football, we had a game against you guys, obviously. Um, the kids couldn't go to, to the game because we usually get back home at 1 o'clock, 1.30 in the morning, not 12 mm-hmm. o'clock. It's just too late, so they had school the next day. So um, they were they couldn't go to the game and uh, – my younger son was crying when I was going out the door because he was yelling about the game. And, and, I, and the touchdown celebrations were very high at the time. And um, he was like, you know, I want to go. And I just said, I'll call you. I just told him, I'll call you. I'll call you. And when I was on the way to the game, I told Mike, I called Michael Lewis. I said, Michael Lewis. I said, Mike, I'm getting ready to shut this celebration thing down. I said, what are you talking about? <laughs> I said, I'm, I'm getting ready. I'm getting, I knew New York was coming to town. They had the cameras. They had the ESPN. Everybody follows New York because the big apple is the big apple. Mm-hmm. But anyway. I said, I'm getting ready to make, I'm getting ready to put Louisiana, New Orleans Saints on the map. And I said, I want you to put my cell phone up under any goalpost. I don't care which one it is. Tell me which one it is. And when he told me which one it was, when I came out to the pregame, he pointed at the one it was in. Aaron, Aaron Brooks didn't know about it. Deuce McAllister didn't know about it. None of my teammates knew about it but Michael Lewis. So once we got in the red zone area and Aaron Brooks called the play, I knew I was one-on-one and Aaron Brooks would have been a fool not to throw me the ball. So I knew it was my chance. I knew it was my chance right there to catch the ball and score a touchdown and make history. So it was meant to happen, man. If it wasn't meant to happen, I would have dropped the ball. Aaron Brooks would have threw it to somebody else. Mike McCarthy wouldn't have called a play. So I believe in that. I believe in that. It was meant to happen. Still one of the greatest celebrations of all time. And now in 2005, no, the nation. No, 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 no. It's We're... the memorial. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 2005, the nation, like I guess, it watched in sheer, fo- sheer, like shock, fear, even disbelief as Katrina cripples your city. Where were you during the storm? 
I was um, in California sitting on my bed, not thinking about football, not uh-huh. caring about football, and watching um, a, a young man carry his um, watching a young man carry his grandmother across the um, city in a, in a, in a, in a, in a tube. So um, I was kind of wanting to be there in the middle of the city uh, with, with, with everybody else going through everything else. Man. So I was blinded by this stupid NFL and their rule that it's a billion-dollar business, and that's what mattered most. Football and oh. making money was what, what mattered most to, the, to those clowns. It's disgusting. You've been called the heart and soul of New Orleans, especially for your charitable ways and what you did after the storm. What did you do after the storm that made you like be, beyond the Saints icon, like considered the heart and soul of uh, – of the Big Easy, man. I mean, heart and soul because the way I treated people, man. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I mean, football is good, man. I mean, being a skater and being a tennis player, hey, hey, playing NBA basketball, baseball players, it's all good, man. You're making millions and you're meeting people, dude. I don't care who you are, how much money you got in the bank. If you treat people like dirt, and you don't treat people when you go, if you treat them with love and, and you. And you're the last person in line when a little baby is waiting three hours to get your autograph, and and and, and the lights are, are being cut off, and your coach is saying if you don't come on, the bus gonna leave you. But you you risk that because you know there's a family that works the nine to five and spends seventy five dollars on the ticket, and he got his nephew from California in, and his nephew came all the way to get Joe Horn's autograph. What 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 do I care about being fined twenty thousand dollars when that man? who spent their time with the little baby out waiting in the hot 100-degree weather. It's how you treat people, man. If you treat them with love, you get love. If you show love, you get love. You can't be a, pl- a player and show love in front of it, but then behind closed doors you're really not one to be around people that pay your bills. So that's what I did in New Orleans. People knew me. I was real. They knew if I, they knew if I had something to say, I was going to say it, whether it cost me 20000 or 100000 because money doesn't, doesn't make me. You know, I, I, I'm a real guy. And if I say something that you're asking me a question, you may not want to hear, hear what I got to say. I'm going to tell you what, what the deal is. And that's what made – I think that's why fans in New Orleans and Louisiana and all over the world love me for who I am because I'm going to say what I mean and I'm going to treat people with respect. Did you live in New Orleans when, this, when, you, uh, when you played there? Yeah, oh, absolutely. And I didn't stay in a gated neighborhood. Yeah, I stayed, I stayed, I stayed in a regular neighborhood, Ormond Country, Ormond – uh, estates, which was, was an open neighborhood. Uh, fans who used to come up and knock on my door, ring the doorbell while I was eating dinner with my family. That's all. Oh, that, that's care, great. I didn't care for that. Now, I, that. I, I read this story, and I don't know if it's true or not. When you guys were in San Antonio, were you personally asked if the Saints should stay in San Antonio or go back to New Orleans? Is that a true story? Uh, that's an absolutely true story, and I usually don't like to tell it because I, I'm trying, I was saving it for my book. But, all right, all right. But, but since you asked me, and, and, and since I'm, I'm talking, <laughs> listen, Mr. Benson has been the icon of, of the New Orleans Saints and staying in the city. But, however, at the time we were going through Katrina, San Antonio Saints were a blink of an eye away from being – I'm saying San Antonio, Texas, was a blink of an eye from almost becoming the San Antonio Saints. Wow. Because that's the situation that was happening. Of course – um, of course, um, Mr. Benson making a business decision first was the best out for him, and I understand that. Business is business. He didn't know whether New Orleans was going to come back after 10 years, 15 years. He was trying to make the best business decision for his family and for his team. I understood that. But my personal 
my personal feelings were, and I told Gene Upshaw, and I told Mr. Pack of the Bull, that for you guys to go home at night and eat with your family and really, really, really know that this city is crumbled, crippled, and the players that they love so much, people have died for the New Orleans Saints, loving the Saints. We should go back and build, rebuild that city with this team. Not only will it make the NFL look great, it'll make Mr. Benson after about a couple, three or four years, he will understand how important it was to go back. And the next morning, I'm talking about the next morning after they talked to me, I'm not saying I'm the reason the Saints went back to, to, to New Orleans. I'm not saying Joe Horn is the reason the Saints went back to New Orleans. But after I talked to Gene Upshaw and I talked to Mr. Tagliabue and he, he sent my regards to, um, to Mr. Tagliabue, the next morning on ESPN, the Saints was awarded back to New Orleans. So that's my Super Bowl. I mean, that's, that's what I feel. People say, Joe, you don't have a ring. And I tell them that dome is my ring because nobody thought that dome was going to reopen again. And nobody thought the Saints were really coming back to New Orleans. And I think I had something to do with this team coming back to New Orleans. That's all. I, I could die with that. And that's my Super Bowl ring because every time I come across that bridge and I see that dome, although I may not have a ring, a Super Bowl ring on my finger, I know my words and my heart was the reason that that dome is in New Orleans like where it is right now. Oof. Now, you, you didn't play in the first game back in the Super Bowl, Superdome. Were you watching it? The first game back, I think it was a, it was a, was it against the Falcons against the first game back? Oh, 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 oh! Let me correct you. I was the first player in the dome when they was reconstructing it, and okay. I was, that week I was the first player in the dome with the hard hat on, with the hard hat on, looking at the locker room, watching the, how they put the turf down. Oh, trust me, I was in that first. I was in the first game of the dome, and I led the team out the, of the huddle in the first game with the Atlanta Falcons. Oh, that's, I, I remember watching that, and oh, that that was one of the that you get chills watching that game. Especially, did you ever watch a slightly that was, that was document? Yeah, yeah. Now, that did was, you ever? That was my Super Bowl. Without a doubt. Now, did you ever watch a Spike Lee documentary when the levees broke? I I did. Because I'll be honest, that's what obviously everyone always has a love affair with New Orleans. But after watching that, that just brought everything home. Like the the images were so horrific. You, you know, I went down there. I did. I went to the lower ninth ward, all that stuff. It's you still get sick to your stomach about what happened down there. It's it's incredible. Yeah, it, it happened, and, and no one's immune to the trials and tribulations mm-hmm. of life. I say this all the time. I heard Martin Lawrence say that in his in his in his stand up um, uh, uh, stand up show he did about about ten fifteen years ago, and he was right. It stuck with me for a long time, and and and, and New Orleans went through something, and then New York went through something with hurricane. Mm-hmm. A, lot, a lot of people go through things. But it was the way that the world and the powers that be responded uh, uh, to why everyone probably was sad. It of was course. how you see images. You know how you see images on TV uh, of, of most of the people that were suffering and the government and the, and the world sitting back watching and, and not really making it a nine one one to get down there and help them out. So that's what I think made it more 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 heartfelt for people that saw it. Oh, God. Joe, a couple more questions. I always ask this question to everybody, and I always love to hear the answer. You're out, and you want to impress somebody. You take out your phone. Who's the coolest person in your phone right now? The coolest person in my the phone The coolest person right or the now? person you want to impress somebody, like, look who, have in, who, look who I have in my phone. Hmm, that's a good question, bro. <laughs> Let me see. My, you know what? You know what? My The coolest person in my phone got to be the line to my kids. So you want the coolest okay, person no. in my phone. <laughs> the coolest person in my phone would be the phone number that I can get to my kids to. 
<laughs> All right, that's a good answer. Now, any memorabilia you kept from the from playing or no? You a memorabilia guy? Um, nah, I'm not really. I mean, I got a, I mean, with my barbecue sauce and my smoked sausage, with my company that's out that's that's that I launched two years ago, Bayou87, which is on Bayou87.com. We'll go there right now because I was actually going to start with that right now. Tell me about it. How you got involved with barbecue sauce? I'm about to order some. How did you get involved in that whole thing? Well, um, you know, about three, two, three years ago, you know, I, I, you know, my brother was tasting my sauces and he was at my house and he said, Joe, you got to put this in the bottle. He said, you got to put this in the bottle, bro. It tastes good. He said, I like it. I've tried Sweet Baby Ray. I've tried Stubbs. I've tried uh, Casey Masterpiece. I've tried all kind of barbecue sauce. I slapped your mouth. He said, listen, bro, put this in a bottle and send it out to the world and let them try it, Joe. And that's what I did, man. I called, I called up a friend, Greg Tauber. We got together. He's, um, he was with PMMG Marketing Group. Me and my me and Greg Tauber got together three years ago, and we 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 found a manufacturing company that that put my my recipe in a bottle, man, and, and history was made. Now we're in WalMarts, we're in Ralph's grocery stores, where where Walmart gave us 300 stores, and we're doing fantastic. My sauce, smoked sausage is doing fantastic, and I'm building my company, and I'm basically you know taking that blueprint that Magic Johnson had. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll, I'll be honest. I'm gonna actually order some after this. The reviews on it are actually phenomenal. The reviews on all the sauces. People. People tell me, they say, Joe, I'm going to try your sauce, and I'm going to spread the word. And I stopped the guy in the store the other day. I said, sir, I don't want you to spread the word until you try it and if you like it. I said, if you don't like it and it's not good, do me a favor. I said, I I want you to do me one favor. I don't want you to tell not one soul about it. That's how how confident confident I can stand with the big boys around the nation today with my smoke sausage and my barbecue sauce. I love it. Now, question: How did you get the nickname Hollywood? I'm pretty sure by everyone listening, you can t- you can hear about your you know your attitude and your charisma. But how did you get the name Hollywood? Well, um, the late great Derek Thomas, my locker was beside Derek Thomas for four years, and my rookie year, he, we made a we made a um, bet with one another. He said, "Joe, I got 30 media um, cameras coming in here after every game, and son, you gonna wait. You gonna wait." Until I'm finished, until you get your shower, get your clothes on, because you haven't paid not one bill in the NFL yet. And as he said, if you, me and you going to get two aces of clubs, two aces. Every time you make a play and every time I make a play, whoever had the best game, if you have the best game on special teams, I have the best game on defense, we've got to give each other that ace. He said, if you get my respect, I'm going to draw a line down the middle of our lockers and I'll make the media stand on my side of the line and don't come across yours. We shook sure hands. We made that bet, and I became probably one of the best special team players the Chiefs had as far as while I played my my tender there, other than Tamar Vanover on 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 off on the offensive side. But man, me and Doug Thomas, we gained a relationship with each other. We started learning each other, man. And uh, he, he would wear suits that cost three thousand dollars a suit. They would wear Armani suit, Armani suits. So I would go to a place called Harold Penner, who sold suits for a hundred dollars, maybe ninety nine dollars. And I would mix up those suits, man, and look better than Derek Thomas, Neil Smith, all those guys every time I came to the plane. <laughs> so he started calling me Hollywood. So that's why I, I got it. that name Hollywood. Now, Joe, I have a, a few McFallen figures. H- How did that come about to get your own McFallen action figure? And obviously, do you still have do you have one of them? I don't. I don't have it, but I'm sure it's out there. And I've seen people come to the Walmarts and the um, the grocery stores that I'm standing at, um, Rouse's grocery stores. Whenever I I'm doing my taste taste testing, they come up with that with with, the, with that um with with that um uh, what is it called? Figure McFarlane figure. 
the McFarland figures, yes, they they come up with them sometimes, and he diving in the end zone, and I find them. I don't really keep up with too much of that stuff, man, because I just, you know, I loved the game when I played it. I enjoyed it. But now, man, I'm a businessman. I'm an entrepreneur. I, I love what I do. But I do respect the fans that come up and that have it, and I, and I take five to ten seconds to reminisce over what over the um, figure that I find. All right, Joe, real quick, I'll finish it up. But right now, who's your favorite current player to watch in the NFL? Excuse me? Who's your favorite current player to watch right now in the NFL? Who who would you pay, uh, buy a ticket to watch play? Uh, I got a couple. It's, it's, it's really, really, it's not fair to say one. Who's on that? Uh, my, uh, Roddy White. Roddy oh, White, pretty, Michael. Okay. Roddy White, Michael Vick, and uh, uh, Marcus Colston. Right now, your Super Bowl prediction for this year? A Super Bowl prediction from my heart? The New Orleans Saints. And okay. the, the, the team that's the two teams that's going to play, the team that's going to win it. Now, let me ask you this. We'll finish this, with this up. Any regrets about anything in your NFL career? Yeah. I got a regret. I didn't go upstairs and, 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 and ask to play both ways. <laughs> really? That's your regret? I'm, I'm a, yeah, I'm, I'm a pretty good – I was a pretty good DB, and I think I could have helped our, our defensive backfield. That's a solid, solid answer. Well, listen, Joe Horn, I can't thank you enough for calling in, man. I really appreciate it. I had a great time. God bless you, my man. Joe, hey, I'll send me that. Send me yeah. that uh, okay, make sure you send me that that, that, that the interview on my um, J- jhorn1972 at gmail.com. So it's jhorn. Yep. Uh, repeat, repeat it again. jhorn. jhorn1972 at gmail.com. I'll do it right now, my brother. I really appreciate it, y'all. Keep in touch, all right? Oh, man, God bless. Be good, brother. The great Joe Horn. Well, this is week one of the NFL's finished. Week two actually starts tomorrow with the Jets and the Patriots. And next week we'll have another NFL guest on. The whole season we do. Uh, we have a few guests lined up for the whole season. So it'll actually be pretty cool. Uh, if we can't get one, obviously we'll go to our go-to boys, Canty and Shab. There's nothing else I can really talk to those two guys about. They're on every friggin' week. It's actually getting uncomfortable. Well, listen, thank you, everybody, for listening. I know we get people who call in, but I don't know who the phone numbers are. I don't want people to, like, prank the show. I get enough prank calls. Anyway, thank you. I'm going back to the beach. And that's how much this interview meant to me. I left the beach. I left the Atlantic Ocean down to Jersey Shore just to do this interview. We'll end this with some Foo Fighters. Thank you, everybody, for listening.
Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.